0: takes a little bit of time for skype okay there we go all right three two one hi this is william ramsey welcome to william ramsey investigates on tonight's show i have a very special guest his name is arslan Hidayat. he comes to us from the middle east but he is a human uh uyghur human rights activist so the uyghur community right now is under um, a lot of pressure in east in the western part of china uh, xinjiang uh, specifically but uh he has uh, where you can find his materials, very active on Twitter. He just got kind of suspended for a little bit, but also you can find his information on Facebook at Talk East Turkestan and as well on YouTube. So Talk East Turkestan. But uh, I became aware of the kind of Uyghur situation after a really horrifying video of hundreds of blindfolded men. I think it was back in September and that kind of peaked my I started following him on Twitter. And I've just tried to kind of ramp up my understanding. But uh, he's from that area, so he can talk more about that. But Arslan, are you there?
1: Uh, yes, I'm here. How
0: are you? Awesome. I'm doing well. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. So for people who may not be familiar with the Uyghur, you know, there is a kind of a di- diaspora as well, which you are a part of as well. But can you talk about the Uyghur community and the history leading up to this kind of uh, current situation?
1: Yeah, sure. So we'll sort of start off with where this area is. Um, It is, as you mentioned, currently today in northwest China, um, known as the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. But we Uyghurs refer it to as Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, where we literally border. We are north of Tibet. And if anyone knows anything about Tibetans and their movement, we're in the same situation. Um, where we have been persecuted by the Chinese not just since the Chinese communist invasion in 1949 but even before that. So the Uyghurs themselves are a Turkic people. Um, We have a long history and amongst all the the Turkic nations, the Uyghurs are the first ones to accept the religion of Islam in the early 10th century. And from then on, we we introduced Islam to the Turks. So... That's why present day Turks um are Muslims, and then we influence the Seljuk Empire the ottoman Empire um and so it's not until we hit about uh seventeen fifty nine where the the Manchu Empire um rules or takes over uh colonizes um east Turkestan, um and for about a hundred years or so we have Between 1759 to about 1860, there are various, you know, battles happening. Um, And then officially in um, 1884, the name Xinjiang is given to that land. And this land borders with, you know, to the north, we've got Russia, um, we've got Mongolia, We've got Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, so Central Asia, and it's the beginning of the Silk Road, um, and so from 1884 till about 1911. In 1911 is when the uh, the Chinese nationalists um, take over, and that's where the Manchu Empire falls. Between 1911 to 1933. Um, uh, there are various battles, and in 1933, the Uyghurs are able to gain their independence, and they established the East Turkestan Islamic Republic in 33, which lasts for about six months or so. Um, but for the next 10 years, they still try and gain their independence from the Chinese nationalists, um, and in 1944, between 1944 and 1949, we have the uh, East Turkestan Republic, uh, which lasts for about five years which was uh, built with the help of the Soviets, um, and then in 1949 we know that the Chinese communists take over, and from 1949 uh, we know that, and you know this is sort of towards uh, the end of World War Two, and um, the, the the Uyghurs um, to to sort of so that there are no more uh, what do you call it revolts against the Chinese state. They give us. By name, a an autonomous region, but we are not autonomous at all, and so we are left stuck under Chinese rule, al- along with southern Mongolians, uh, Tibetans, and other ruled peoples. Um, and so we've been trying to gain our independence since then. But and then that's why we 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 get the label separatists, whereas we're not. We have our own language, we're our own people. We've ruled ourselves for thousands of years. Um, we're not separatists. We're trying to gain our land back from Chinese occupation. We are currently occupied. That, that's what we say. But currently under, you know, under the UN or whatever statutes there are, uh, we are considered part of China. So any movements like us, uh, for us to be speaking or be talking in this narrative, we are considered separatists um, and extremists. So, uh for, for anyone that knows of what happened during the Cultural Revolution, uh, you know, you, you had people, uh, the literate people, the business people, uh, rich people um, demonized, they were killed. Um, anyone who was educated overseas, especially um, in Russia, they were hung, they were executed, public executions. Um, any sort of culture, any sort of... Um, Uh, religion was demonized and persecuted. And then you had, um, you know, Deng Xiaoping after the death of Mao Zedong, you had Deng Xiaoping where there was sort of a a softening of policies. And so you will see this throughout uh, Chinese communist history where there is a hardening and softening of policies. And in that era, my parents were able to leave and, uh, go to Australia and settle there, and I was born there, along with my two brothers. Um, but we've always had uprisings against the Chinese government. So in 1990, we had the Bahrain Massacre, where where the Uyghurs just wanted their, their basic uh, religious freedoms. They were fighting against abortion, um, like most people in that era, and uh, uh, especially amongst Turkic people. We have many children, four, five, six, seven, eight children, and they limited it to two kids. And if you were to have a third child, um, either the, if you're able to give birth and you're lucky enough, it's not aborted. Uh, regardless of whether it's seventh, eighth, ninth month into into the term, it can be aborted, um, and that third child is not registered, or, you've, or, or you're or you're or you're dealt with heavy fines. Um, and in 1997, we had a Gulja massacre. Uh, same sort of deal, re- wanting religious f- freedoms. Thousands died, thousands disappeared. Um, ten, 12 years later, in 2009, we had the, um, the the Urumqi massacre, which is the capital of East Turkestan, where students were protesting against uh, some uh, some factory workers that had died in, in a... In Inner China, and you may wonder why are what are Uyghurs doing in Inner China? Well, you've heard of Chinese labor being cheap, but Uyghur labor is cheaper. Um, and uh, China have a system, a, um, a a system where they say that they are economically uplifting minorities, but what they do is they they, they take away they they take the minorities, especially the youth. They send them to the inner parts of China, not just because of their cheap labor, but also to assimilate them.
0: Right, signification or Chinafication, right?
1: Yeah, and this was this is this has always been happening. It's not just we're we're only hearing about the concentration camps today because it's so in your face. Before it was like sneaky and 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 sort of uh, you know since two thousand one with the global war on terror. Um, because, you know, America had its own global war in the Middle East. Um, China said, you know what, we've got our own uh, terrorist problem. What they meant was we had our own Muslim problem. So, And so not much of the world cared cared about what was happening. And then we have the infamous, what we label them as uh, concentration camps, uh, not too dissimilar from the, uh, the the Jewish concentration camps. The main difference is technology. And the other difference is the Uyghurs are not being culled, like straight up put in gas chambers yet. But the, the, the Chinese are smarter uh, because if you were to just cull and destroy and exterminate, uh, you wouldn't be able to profit as much. So, the, so they profit. Um, there, there was a recent article um, by... by the ...factories being built next to these camps... Uh, you know, 20, 30 million square meters, um, uh, sorry, uh, twenty million square feet in in length, and and, and these are new. Uh, a couple of yeah, hundred huge. just recently found. They're huge. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what we we estimate, um, according to Dr. Adrian Zenz, um, uh, an expert in this field, where he sifts through uh, the the Chinese sites and government official sites, and he and he estimates uh, just above a thousand, and perhaps even more, and and with these recent ones. Uh, around 1500 camps and these are they vary in size you know um, uh, numbers of football lengths in size and uh, we know that the, the that the Chinese are not just there, there are Uyghurs dying through torture and through sleep deprivation and food deprivation but the main goal is to further assimilate the Uyghurs into um, Chinese society to make them more Chinese and it's not like the Uyghurs are not Um, They have not been assimilating, Um, but the idea is why should we be assimilating where where you've come into our country, you don't know our language, you don't learn our language, you don't learn our culture, we're supposed to learn yours, but what they mean by assimilation is, for example, uh, I always use this example, so I'm an Australian citizen, Um, there are culturally uh, Australian things that Australians do, But I do not do because it sort of goes against my religion. I'm a practicing Muslim. So, for example, it's quite common for, you know, and Americans would know this as well, for the typical Australian to to have a beer on the weekend uh, or to go to the beach and, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, free mix with others in the beer. Like, I don't do this. I'm a religious person. But just because I have these thoughts and I don't choose to take part in those activities, the Australian government doesn't call me an extremist for not wanting to have a beer. That's the level that the Chinese government take it to. Oh, so you're, and literally you will see this. So, that, so there are beer drinking and beer tutoring areas where, where, where they tutor Uyghurs how to drink even. They'll teach well, them. Well, and, well, and if you decline... Oh, there's something wrong with you. You're extreme. Why are you declining? Right. Or, why are you so eating for example, pork? Right. Yeah, for eating pork. So, for example, I, I don't eat pork. So if the Australian government found out that I didn't eat pork, so who cares? More pork for us, they'll probably think, right? right. But um, over there, they're like, why aren't you eating pork? Why are you being different? Why aren't you assimilating into Chinese society? This is what they deem as extreme. When they mean extreme, I mean, just like any other human, we are against terrorism, um, you know, I mean, it's common sense to be against people killing people, right? And we're on that page, but they say because we have these beliefs of not wanting to eat pork or not wanting to, um, you know, do certain things, that we're suddenly extreme, and this will lead to terrorism. So, so, so they have this. Um, uh, uh, do you know the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise? Yes. So yeah, they'll like do pre-crime, they, like pre-crime, you're yes. a pre-criminal. Yeah. yeah, you're a pre-criminal and it's and, and, and literally when the BBC and other networks they go and interview the um the, the, the Xinjiang officials, they'll literally say this person has the potential to be um a criminal. And I know of whole families that have been locked up, given hefty pri- pri- prison sentences um for this crime. Hefty, I'm talking 10 20 years because they potentially could and even when you look at this person's bio you could have like a 55 year old uh, Uyghur woman you know retired. Uh, I, I I've, in, I've interviewed someone the other day she she worked for the uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party for 40 years um, so so it's not it's gotten to a level where these are not excuses for being um, for being detained and, um, arrested and imprisoned. These are reasons it's it's like the slightest of reasons. So for example, I'm against smoking, right? And maybe I'm not even religious, right? I might go, Hey brother, you know, smoking is bad for your health even, right? Even that. And then you might be thinking, well, how are they going to know that? How are they going to catch a private conversation between two people on that advice? Well, depending on where that advice was given, Okay. perhaps you are at home. Perhaps your child heard it. Your child says that to someone. Hey, where did you learn that? We with China's you've heard of China's surveillance state with the number of mics, the number of cameras. And that advice was probably heard. and, And the person that you that you gave the advice to is probably paranoid because it's gotten to a level where. He's given me this advice. I know he's not supposed to be giving me this advice. Uh, Mike could have picked it up. If I don't tell on the authorities on him, I could be in trouble for not telling on him. So even that's a crime. So So everybody's uh, afraid of being thrown
0: in jail. There's constant surveillance. It's really kind of a dystopia because the CCP is very clever about the use of these labor camps. Well, you can call them. They have kind of different words for it, but they don't put them under the criminal law. So there's no criminal jurisdiction or any criminal law response. If somebody gets picked up in the middle of the night and disappeared for two years in a work camp, you know, they're just uh, they're actually in a vocational institution, right? Learning tricks and trades after working all day. Then they get the propaganda, CCP propaganda and Mandarin lessons, too, until they're exhausted.
1: Yeah, well, uh, well, well, that's what we're told. Um, From what we know, there are a few different types of camps. There are those types of camps as you mentioned that sort of vocational people giving skills, but those are sort of put on for show and uh, those are the lucky ones. They get to go there during the day and sort of leave during the night. they're the they're, they're the least for those least extreme class of people they like to label. Obviously no one deserves to be in any of those, but they class them as that. Then you have the um the the second concentration camps where people, are detained before they go in, their DNA, their eyes, like everything is tested, their voice, their speech, everything is tested, Um, where from early in the morning, um, you know, especially I was talking to a few uh, women, former concentration camp detainees, from early in the morning, they are given uh, a breakfast, they're given a steamed bun with a soupy sort of um, like a soup-like food, um, like the and and they or. estimate that between anywhere between three to five hundred calories. Um, and then they are made to spend hours in education. They are literally indoctrinated with, um, you know, CCP propaganda that, that uh, you know, China is the best and number one. Literally, Xi Jinping is God that they are made to write letters to Xi Jinping So uh, and, and these are repentance letters. They are repenting to the leader of the CCP because they themselves had repented to God. Um, so I'll give you an example. What what they want out of you is any ounce of religiosity that they try to get that out of you. So I was talking to a concentration camp detainee by the name of Zumrat Dawud. And um, uh, once, whilst she was being given food, she realized the woman next to her um, she's a diabetic and she needed you know that ex- those extra calories or, or, or insulin so she gave her food to the person like much older to her um, and for that the guard the guard saw her and hit her beat her and then she said normally right if you're hit right your your natural inclination um, is to go oh God or or you may curse you may you say oh f right and she said, Oh Allah, which means, oh God. And it's like, hold on. She's got some religiosity in her. So they kept beating her. And then after each of these indoctrination, um, what do you call it, these lessons, uh, wh- when they are leaving, right, they are, they are asked the question, is there God? Do you believe in God? And what are you going to say to avoid a beating? You're going to say no. But there are some that ha- they, that, that they may hesitate for half a second and that that hesitancy is enough for them to get a beating to continue to be beating so it's just amazing how they are controlled i mean um i'm really into um you know these jail shows where they're behind bars and they show the most dangerous prisons in america or south america and all these places um you will not see an episode of like this in China or in these concentration camps because it's second to none. It's like nothing else. And I'm looking at these prisons where people are going off and swearing. I'm like, those guys are really free compared to what's happening in the camps because nothing like no, like nothing is given like, and no ounce of retaliation is given because any ounce of retaliation you're gone. You're killed. It's really, or, you know, yeah, and it's and the really brainwashing. That, and, and, and it's the ones brainwashing that sort of do retaliate. I disappeared. Right. They're, it's brainwashing. They're
0: brainwashing the people. Yeah. So it's very pernicious. It's different than the, the states. You can scream and shout in jail all you want, but uh, not in not in uh, China. But I mean, there's a definitely an economic incentive to this kind of persecution of the Uyghurs. Can you talk about that as well?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, one. Uh, That area, East Turkestan, is home to some of the the rarest and bountiful natural resources um, in the world. So the way China is able to be China, to become this superpower, to be as rich as it is, to be able to feed its people, is from our natural resources, which they steal every day. So we're talking coal, gold. Various other minerals where Cotton um, Yeah yeah, Cotton is. the so 80, cotton. Yeah. yeah, so 80% of China's cotton Comes from East Turkestan And most likely If you've got a made in China shirt Any sort of clothing, shoes Most like 80% It's come from East Turkestan And it's most likely come from the back of Uyghur slaves uh, So th- There is this labour camp uh, Issue, so that's the third type of camp is where once these Uyghurs have been educated in China's books, they go to these factories and they will show these factories the ones that they can show on camera. Um, you know, especially a lot of the women doing the sewing. And uh, and if you were to ask them what they were doing before, they were earning a salary much more than that than what they are earning now. So they they are given something so that the, um, there is some sort of normalcy brought. To the region Um, And so you will see people Grown men in their 40s, 50s, 60s Housed in dormitories And then uh, It's literally like a little better than a prison And then they work in these uh, Factories for uh, 12, 16 Hours at a time But obviously when you see the ones that they're being interviewed They're very happy and they talk about their lives And what they want to do in the future And businesses they want to build And it's all BS Because China doesn't let anybody in To rebuttal what i'm saying right and so we've been always saying well if this is not true let independent investigators in so I, I i was watching the bbc today and um where they had agreed to uh the um the world health organization you know doctors to go into wuhan and see the cause and the source of the um uh the 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 covid right. COVID-19, I'm trying my best not to say Chinese virus because that's what I want to say, but I'm trying to be politically correct um, because it's what it is. Chinese meaning it came from China. But um, yeah, and and they were not let in from the border. So, you know, like, uh, and and people are, why, why haven't they been let in? Well, if you know anything about China, why would they let you in? So, and I, I always use the um, the the Iran example, right? So Iran, to avoid US sanctions, they'll go, you know what come in check this place out see if we' see if we're making nuclear bombs people are let in the, you know they check out all right these guys are cool no sanctions for you guys China doesn't doesn't do that no one sanctions them um, and th- they try and sanction other countries so you you may have heard recently you know China and this is how they bully other countries so China trying to sanction uh, Canada or Australia. Australia and the us trade war and um, and hopefully these countries can sort of, uh, Australia's trying to, you know, stick it to them because, um, you know, that I believe countries are now starting to realize they've taken it too far. At least the Western ones have Western democracies have. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So, but the, the other thing is that all of that forced labor is making its way into products. So out of Xinjiang or the East Turkestan is in Apple, Abercrombie and Fitch, Dell, nike nintendo so there, i mean it's uh and that's from the australian strategic policy institute yeah are saying that this forced labor is making its way into the international economic system
1: yeah so obviously you know the the, the first thing that people think oh well let's just boycott these products well yeah that's cool but um yeah you you may boycott it for a week or two but you know Uh, when that new iPhone comes out, you might, you may forget about the boycott, but we're saying we're trying to pressure these companies. Look, you could easily just set up and, uh, you know, your factories around, you know, everywhere else in Southeast Asia, go to Thailand, Cambodia, you know, Bangladesh, India, India, they could easily do that. So we need to, and, and the issue here is, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, um that i'm i'm restricted until uh this saturday um from twitter because i made a video um basically saying that uh what was, what was i saying i made a video saying that you know the the ccp should be destroyed along with anybody who supports concentration camps but people are not so i'm likening xi jinping to hitler and the concentration camps as to the jewish holocaust but because social media or but because many governments still don't see xi jinping in that way you know they are one of the five in the un um and and they don't regard me calling these concentration camps they don't liken it to the the holocaust just yet therefore that sort of material is too much um and if in and if i were to reword it and i said death upon uh the uh, the the german nazi party death upon hitler and and upon anyone who supports him that video wouldn't have been taken down but because china isn't labeled uh, the chinese communist party or xi jinping isn't labeled to that extent therefore materials like that are taken down or um De um, demonetizing things like this. Right.
0: Yeah. So I mean, there, you can see that reach of the CCP's influence. But you, I think you called uh, Xi. I mean, it was interesting because on your Twitter feed, you said that he's actually physically not that well off. That I think he's had brain surgery or something like that. But I think you called him Jitler also Z yeah. X I T L E R. Um
1: well well, well, well. The thing is, well, the actual video I, I was calling upon God. To destroy him, so maybe it's working.
0: Maybe, yeah. Well, when you say in your header on Twitter, you say it's the fourth year of the Uyghur Holocaust. What do you mean? Why is it four years when it's been kind of this systemic conflict for decades, if not centuries?
1: Yes. So, so Holocaust is 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 when the Uyghurs, or or is when the Jews were actually put into the camps, yeah, and being uh, into the gas chambers, and um, you know. So the, the the news about that, at least, was hitting the headlines uh, towards the end of 2016 to 17 ish. So that was like that was when they were actually rounding them up. Even though we had camps, uh, it wasn't to the extent that it is now, um, where China themselves have written in their own media saying that they have been educating Uyghurs. 1.3 million Uyghurs. Every year. Since 2014. But we. W- w- um, so that would amount to around. 8 million people today. Um, and so. Whereas the other stuff. It's not Holocaust like. So you've got people being sent. Into inner China. Uh, people dying because of their. Or, or people being sent to prisons. Uh, for underground mosques. And things like this. But not to the extent of the Holocaust. So. That's when I name it the fourth year. And when I'm back on Twitter, because you'll notice that I haven't been able to tweet for the past few days. So I'm going to change it because we're now in 2021. This would be the fifth year. Um, but yeah, many people have written, oh, it's the 72nd year and all this. But yeah.
0: And it's kind of interesting because the, you, you talk also about the, the CCP, even into Turkey, and how they're influencing the Turkish to take part in this oppression can you talk a little bit about that
1: Yeah. so um uh china have recently um you know been trying to get an extradition deal with turkey now many could understand if you had an extradition deal with turkey or any other country many years ago i suppose you could understand um but guess when this deal was first sort of enacted or or signed it hasn't been ratified but sort of brought to public um, was 2017 mm-hmm. right around the concentration camps um, and then it was signed by President Erdogan in 2019 so um, just like with any extradition deal, it doesn't label Uyghurs, it says any Chinese citizens who are criminals would need to be, or Turkey would need to um, you know uh, extra right back to China to so that they can go through their crimes. But Turkey isn't necessarily a hot spot for Chinese criminals, right? Um, their main attack is on Uyghurs. Now generally if you've got say tycoons or people like people who frauded the Chinese government or who did any crimes, they normally either escape to neighboring Southeast Asian countries or they'll head to the west. They have nothing to do with Turkey. Generally, tourists go to Turkey. And who else goes to Turkey? Uyghurs. So um, China have had a history where they make up lies. So they can make up a lie about anyone and go, hey, look, we're looking for so-and-so. He's a terrorist in our country. Give him back to us. And if they were to ratify that agreement, they, they, they would, like China, like Turkey would have to um, send people back And we have had records of f- a few people Being sent back indirectly To China uh, Where they were given fake documents uh, They were given Tajiki Passports sent to Tajikistan And from Tajikistan they were given to China so we had A 30 year old woman She'd be 31 if she is still alive With her two kids She was extradited this way There was a 59 year old woman uh, By the name of uh, Al-Muzi Kuahan. Uh, we don't know what's happened to her, but she's she's been sent back in that indirect manner. So now they'd be able to um, send back anyone directly. Um, and and it, it's very sad because Turkey, we are ethnically, religiously linked with Turks, and it, it really is a backstabbing. But more so because we have Central Asian countries like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, that send back Uyghurs you know, in a heartbeat, but we're not upset at them because we know who they are. They are still modern-day Turkic communists, but Erdogan says he's a voice of the oppressed and he will save Muslims, and so he talks this big game uh, and he sends back Uyghurs, so that's where we are upset because why are you talking this big game if you're not living up to it?
0: And I mean, that's the whole thing is that they just these people, the Uyghurs are disappearing into this camp system, being shipped around, no communication with family and friends. So it's kind of like a horrifying thing. So you have stories today that you mentioned of even older people in their 40s and 50s disappearing in the camps. Nobody knows whether they're alive. They don't have contact. So it's... uh... Not just 40s and
1: 50s, we've got 60, 70, 80 year olds in there as well. Um, people that had the people that had retired, they walked the line, they walked the CCP line, they followed every rule. But because there is always a potential, because at the end of the day, you are still uh you are still a Uyghur, you are different from us, you are not enough, you haven't been hanified or sinified enough for for us for their liking. So uh even though China likes to bolster or they like to be proud of their 56 uh, multi-ethnic groups. What they really, that's just for show. That's just like, if there's dancing or art or things like this involved, they like that. But anything else, China doesn't like difference. If they see anything that's different in society, they, um, they, 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 they quash it. And out of these 56 ethnic groups, most of them, have assimilated into the broader chinese uh, society but it's groups like the uyghurs mongolians and tibetans and others so even so for example chinese christians for you to be a practicing christian or a catholic you're different so we've got to get rid of your churches the only sort of christianity that you could follow is the chinese version of christianity where xi jinping is jesus or something like i'm, I'm not kidding like they take it to that level
0: And I mean, that's the same thing. What is it, Falun Gong, too? There's a huge prosecution. And Falun Gong is a huge number of people. I think the Uyghur's population is, what, like 13 million? But there's like 100 million Falun Gong, and they're persecuted as well. So the CCP really has this kind of cultural supremacy thing. But wasn't Mao very much important? Wasn't his? and I don't really know, but I thought his whole goal was to erase ethnic differences in China. Do you remember anything like
1: that? Yeah. Well, well exactly. So, so, so ethnic differences. Uh, th- that was his goal. <laughs> but the the cultural revolution didn't last for so long. To make it, it would need that sort of um, what's the word? That sort of system that he put in place would have needed to last for generations. Um, I would I would estimate at least two generations to have some sort of effect. So right now, you've probably seen the child camps. So they very much look like kindergartens and they look colorful and nice. But those places are places where, you know, the children are forced to speak Mandarin, uh, that, that, that they are forced. You know, your culture is Chinese. You're not a uh, Uyghur. You are not Muslim. You, you know, you, you are greater than a Muslim. You, you, you are a, a communist. You know, our leader is Xi Jinping, you know, leader for life. Um, And so they're working towards that. As I mentioned, it hasn't been going on for too long. But if this happens for a generation or two, you're going to lose, you know, uh, uh, whole cultures, um, which has already happened in China. And so another way they're doing this is through forced marriage. And you know that through China's brutal one-child policy for the Chinese, and uh, you would have seen how the Chinese families, they abort or they simply abandon their daughters. They don't register them and then they try and get pregnant with a boy and then they have a boy so that, you know, this boy can grow up to support them when they're much older. So there is this big imbalance between males and females in Chinese society, but where it's the opposite in Uyghur society, we have a lot more females. So those hardworking Chinese communists. Especially soldiers, they are rewarded with our women, so that so they are forcefully married to them, and they um, they now, you know, us living in in the West, I am all for people marrying whoever they want from whatever religion or ethnic group, if it's their own choice, right? But these these um these marriages are forced, um and. And even some women now are signing up to these marriage programs in the promise that their family is let go from concentration camps or that or that they would not be under the threat of being sent to a concentration camp. Um, So this is also happening. And this is a way for to China's policy, sickening assimilation policy as well.
0: But the, I mean, the world kind of is waking up to this, this really severe oppression. I mean, I think that uh, France said they're not going to take part in uh, China being in the EU because of what's happening to the Uyghurs. Antoine Griezmann, a known soccer player, said that he was going to not work with way. So, and even in, here in the states, the bill is S thirty four seventy one, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. So, and that I think was forwarded by uh, Lindsey Graham. So, I mean, these are in the Congress. I don't think that's passed, but uh, no, yeah. I think that awareness is definitely growing.
1: Yeah, it is growing, but it's still a drop of the ocean. Um, as you mentioned, um, Antoine Griezmann, and we also had Mesut Ozil. So once these famous footballers or sports stars or whoever starts speaking up, um, that, that industry or that club or that player is hurt. And we've seen this; they have boycotted themselves. So Arsenal that night, um, when Mesut Ozil spoke up, you know, had games off, like they wouldn't be aired in China. Mm-hmm. And um, Mesut Ozil was put on the—he has been put on the bench for months. Um, not sure what's going to happen to Antoine Griez- Griezmann. So you're not going to see Hollywood or actors or anyone like this do this as well because that actor will not be paid. And Hollywood now, the biggest market is the Chinese market, so they. Mm-hmm. Only a certain amount, I, I believe, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but only a certain amount of Hollywood movies are allowed to be played every year in Chinese cinema. Um, and from that, if, you, if you've if you got an outspoken actor, I mean, to date, I don't know at least one Hollywood actor that's spoken out. Against I don't either. It's way too I don't either. risky. So... And, and and I highly doubt that will happen. So, but and, I think
0: that Chinese ownership in our film industry is significant yeah. now, much more so than it ever was. So I think that there's a lot of investment in that. Nobody's going to talk about human rights in China, and even yeah, our yeah. NBA as well. If you, I don't know if you follow the National yeah. Basketball Association, they're trying to, you know, make entries into the Chinese market, but they're going yeah. to have to uh, make a deal with, you know, this, these abuses. How are they going to justify? This one, these human rights abuses are happening all over the place, Tibet, you know, East Turkestan, etc.
1: Yeah, even um, we're about to see, we're about to go into the uh, a post-COVID era where, as you mentioned, those European countries not wanting to sign, but Germany is well aboard and the other European countries are, are willing to um, have in investment deals. And um, I'm not sure where you lean politically, but it looks like Biden's going to be, you know, <laughs> back friendly with China again. Um, and, and I've been just watching the news, like people wanting to reinvest and rebuild and, you know, their ties with China. And again, it's that recognition, not connecting the dots, saying that the concentration camps are Jewish, are like Jewish-like concentration camps and that Xi Jinping is the modern-day Hitler. That connection is still, like, it's, it's far off. Whilst there right. are, as you mentioned, sort of, bills and that being passed, but it's nowhere to the degree that we would like it. And but I've,
0: I would say it's willful. I would say it's willful ignorance. Like they're willfully yeah. ignoring it. Okay? Yeah. At least from the so,
1: US. Yeah. yeah so I, I, and, and once you take it to that level, I've, I've spoken on media saying we literally, and no joke, we should have the free world, just like they ganged up on Nazi Germany. We need to have boots on the ground. So countries like I've called on the United States, Australia, Canada, Europe, the UK to to join forces, and if they don't, the first step to sanction them, and if they don't listen to that, to literally have boots on the ground and do it that way. Because and people are saying, well, it's nukes and all that, but people don't know China. China is not going to take it to nuclear level. That they, they, they are, they are not fighters. That they are, they are all talk. So um, it it literally needs to be taken to that level because this oppression is slowly feeding off into other countries. So. Uh, you would have heard of the Belt and Road Initiative that they're, mm-hmm. they're now trying, they've made those Central Asian countries poor, like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. Now they're trying to occupy those countries because the, the only way for those countries to pay back their debt is through their land. Right. So slowly, so slowly, slowly Africa,
0: in Africa too. yeah, Africa too. You had some videos yeah. on Africa,
1: Africa, yes. Yeah, well so so you've got it's just amazing, like they're rich, like, uh, you know. African children, you know, are uh, um, you know uh, learning Chinese, and uh, it's 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 not just you know I'm not against people learning Chinese, but the whole culture, and you actually have to sing the national anthem uh, at these factories. So this is how they start. It looks nice and dandy, but slowly, slowly, well, those places are going to be um, yeah. uh, occupied. They're twisting as well. the screws, yeah, twisting yeah. the screws on. All that. So
0: it's pretty remarkable. Uh, our at about 45 minutes is there anything you'd like to add anything mess your social media where people can reach out to you we talked about Twitter
1: yeah so I'm at Arslan uh, underscore Hidayat so A-R-S underscore H-I-D-A-Y-A-T um, our main um, so I live stream from there uh, you know, at least once a week um, I have certain guests like yourself on as well so I've had all those researchers formal concentration camp detainees uh, anyone who's anyone with regards to um, what's been happening uh, in in East Turkestan, uh, I interview, and, and I've 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 been lucky to even have uh, people like General Robert Spaulding, who was a former Trump advisor, um, uh, uh, Michael Johnson, you know, leader of uh, one of the leaders of the National Tea Party, um, and so yeah, uh, a wide a wide variety of guests. Um, where I talk East Turkestan on Facebook and YouTube as well um, make sure to follow us there and just like keep up to date and um, really just educate yourself about China don't think it's this it's this fluffy culture it's this fluffy um, place with you know five thousand you know thousands of year old history I mean they'd have that but literally liken it to Nazi Germany and before you know it um you're going to be censored. You're going to be, you're going to have that technology in your country and you're going to be oppressed. And
0: it's already yeah. happening in the U S things that unbelievable stuff that you would never yeah. imagine is happening
1: now. Yeah. And, um, so, like, uh, yeah,
0: no, please continue.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. You can edit this out if you want, but for me, um, for you guys, uh, I, I reckon, uh, Trump was uh, or is the the greatest leader that you guys have ever had. And he recognized the Chinese threat and he was trying to deal with that as much as he could. Um, and i so, and I'm, I'm not just worried for Uyghurs, but I'm worried for the American people in the next four years.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm worried too. That's yeah. a great way to end it. Again, it's Arslan Hidayat, A R S L A N H I D A Y A T. Talk East Turkestan on Facebook and YouTube and also on Twitter, Arslan underscore Hidiyat Twitter. Thank you so much for the information. What a great interview.
1: You're very welcome. All right. Have a great day. Thank you.